let us go into the house of the Lord. We are continuing the midweek, the uh, Lent series uh, in the, the season of Lent. I am Pastor Michael Lilienthal, and we're going to look now at uh, the second Sunday of Lent. Uh, Lent, again, is a, uh, a season of 40 days, not including Sundays. And so the Sundays in Lent, there, there are... Um, six Sundays in Lent. The sixth Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week and known uh, normally as Palm Sunday. We'll get there. Uh, but uh, we're, we're now in the second Sunday uh, of, uh, not of, in uh, Lent. Uh, I got to make sure I get that terminology correct, especially after I uh, emphasized it so much last week. Uh, so yes, uh, the, the second Sunday in Lent is known by the Latin name Reminiscere. Uh, reminiscere, which, uh, as I mentioned, comes from the first word of the introit for the day. The first word for the introit uh, of Lent 2 is remember. Reminiscere, remember. You can kind of hear that uh, with reminiscence being uh, derived from, from that Latin word. So remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. As we continue through this Lent season, uh, it, it, it is an ongoing journey. The, the 40 days of Lent uh, very deliberately are um, laid out that way to depict that sort of wandering, that sort of journey. But it's a journey with a goal in mind. Uh, and we have that goal of uh, the promised land. Uh, and liturgically speaking... The promised land is Easter. We're journeying toward that glorious occasion. Uh, so as we as we go on that journey, we're asking God to remember his mercies. And that ties back to the themes of the previous week as well, uh, that in the, the first Sunday in Lent, uh, we're calling on God and we know that he answers as he keeps his promise with the Old Testament lesson by uh, delivering Israel through the crossing of the Red Sea. We're asking him to continue to remember his promises, remember his loving kindnesses, and keep us from being conquered by our enemies. That same sort of idea of that combat against our enemies. The Christian has three primary enemies, and those are the devil. We dealt with him in the temptation of Jesus last week. And the world, the world being uh, the, this sinful world that is in the devil's camp, really, uh, and is against us, and by the world we mean both the natural world and uh, the world of other unbelievers, of, of human beings who seek to persecute the truth. But then the third enemy is our sinful flesh. Our sinful flesh. We are our own enemies uh, by our sinful nature. We revert to sin. We like to be in the devil's camp because we get that gratification of our sinful desires. Uh, but... We're asking God to prevent all three of those enemies from triumphing over us. The uh, collect for Reminiscere Sunday, uh, the second Sunday in Lent, uh, is from uh, collect number 42 on page 152 in the hymnary. O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. Keep us, both outwardly and inwardly, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. So, again, we're asking God to keep us persistent uh, in, in faith, uh, to keep us strong, um, 
all adversities, uh, outwardly and inwardly, all the enemies are, are concerned here. Um, the chief hymn for this day, I want to jump straight to that because it ties right into this, is hymn number 257. When in the hour of utmost need we know not where to look for aid, when days and nights of anxious thought nor help nor counsel yet have brought. And that uh, first verse is actually just um, kind of the, the first two dependent clauses of uh, a a longer sentence. It keeps going on in, in the second verse. This is our comfort is alone, that we may meet before thy throne and cry, O faithful God, to thee for rescue from our misery. And even there, the sentence hasn't ended, but um, that's that's where it goes on, that we, we are crying out. We don't know what we what to do. I've, I've talked about um, uh, psalms of complaint before, and that's what this is ultimately getting at, that when, when we're in deep distress and need, it seems like it's hopeless. But we can remember that we can always come before God's throne and beg him, as this Sunday reminds us, to remember his loving kindnesses, remember his promises, remember his mercies. And as we beg God to do that, beg him to remember what he has promised us to do, we have the certainty that he He does, he will. Uh, I want to point out right now that uh, this is a seven-verse hymn. Uh, I do plan to divide that uh, over um, two two segments uh, here. Um, we'll, we'll sing uh, the first four verses as the chief hymn, in the, in the place of the chief hymn, and then the last three, verses five through seven, we'll sing after the offering. Uh, we are following right one abbreviated, so no service of Holy Communion. Um, so after the sermon, we'll have the prayer of the church, uh, which in, in Lent, uh, the practice is going to be to use the litany. I've mentioned that before on page 137 in the hymnary. We'll pray that. Uh, following that, we have the, uh, the, bene the apostolic benediction and then the offering. And after the offering, we have another hymn um, before going into the, the closing prayers and the benediction. So that, that hymn... Uh, for following the offering will be the last three verses of hymn 257. I also know that this happens uh, to be one that is very familiar to our Savior's hymn 257. I've had a number of people tell me it's one of their favorites. Um, so, and, and I can see why. It's, it's a very comforting one. Uh, it's, it's excellent. All right, so that's uh, a few of the propers so far. I want to talk about the readings now. See what we're talking about here, uh, as far as uh, why why we're talking about asking God to keep His promises, coming before Him in these, this 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 deep seated, uh, almost despairing emotion. Um, why why do we focus on that for this Sunday? So first thing to look at is uh, the epistle lesson is First Thessalonians four one through seven. Therefore, beyond this, brothers. Just as you received instruction from us about how you are to walk so as to please God, as indeed you are doing, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you do so even more. To be sure, you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Indeed, this is God's will that you be sanctified, namely that you keep yourselves away from sexual immorality. He wants each of you to learn to obtain a wife for yourself in this way that is whole, in a way that is holy and honorable, not in lustful passion like the heathen who do not know God, no one is to overstep and take advantage of his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, just as we said previously, and solemnly testified to it. For God did not call us for uncleanness, but in sanctification. Consequently, whoever rejects this is not rejecting a man, but the God who gives you 
his Holy Spirit. I think I did read one extra verse in there. That's okay. Uh, the verse 8, um, it, it, it actually ends. Uh, verse 7 actually ends uh, this lesson in that one. That's the one that says, For God did not call us for uncleanness, but in sanctification. Uh, and that's that's kind of part of the key here. We're continuing to journey on in this Advent season. So we're continuing to try to grow in our sanctification as we confess our sins and as we look to God uh, and petition him for his forgiveness uh, that that also strengthens us, or that's that's the aim anyway, is for for that to to strengthen our faith and to strengthen our sanctification as well. Uh, this service, right one, the uh, the one that's derived from the Bugenhagen service. Uh, when we get to the end, there's a there's a closing prayer, uh, and it it goes like this: O Lord, we render unto you our heartfelt thanks that you have taught us what you would have us believe and do. So we're remembering the word that we we learned that day, and it teaches us what to believe first, and what to do, second. Help us, O God, it goes on, by your Holy Spirit, for the sake of Jesus Christ, to keep your word in pure hearts. So the word we've learned, we want to keep it there then. That we thereby may may be, first, strengthened in faith. The word will strengthen our faith. And second, perfected in holiness. And that's the one that we're really emphasizing with this epistle lesson, that the word would grow in us according to sanctification that it would cause us to grow in holiness, that our righteousness would increase in order to match Christ's righteousness that's attributed to us. And then third and last, and comforted in life and death. So that word that we hear that strengthens our faith and perfects us in our, our sanctification and our holiness, that comforts us in life and death. We have that comfort um, that God did call us is, is part of this epistle lesson. God did call us. Uh, and it's it's God's will that we be sanctified. And if God wills it, well, it's going to be done. If God causes it to happen, if if we uh, are are united to that that will of God, then yes, He accomplishes it in us. So that's that's the epistle lesson, and that one just kind of serves to introduce uh, the the gospel lesson here. We'll we'll read the gospel next, Matthew fifteen twenty one through twenty eight. Jesus left that place and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. There, a Canaanite woman from that territory came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. A demon is severely tormenting my daughter. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and pleaded, Send her away, because she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt in front of him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered her, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. It will be done for you just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. Here we see an example of uh, someone who, uh, this woman who was strengthened in faith and growing in, in that holiness as well. She continues to petition her Lord, even when it seems as though he is just going to reject her, even though it seems as though he's just turning her away. She continues to pursue, continues to come after him, uh, and continues to plead with him, uh, even kneeling in front of him, Lord, help me. And then when he answers her, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. She answers with this extreme faith, yeah, but the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Her great faith is in recognizing, yeah, I'm, I'm a dog. I'm, I'm not one of the children of Israel. 
I don't have any merit in me, any reason that you could you should consider me worthy of this gift I'm asking you for. All I'm saying is, let me be in your house. Let me be even a dog in your house. And being a dog in, in that house, she can receive scraps, the crumbs that fall. And that's seeing the blessing and the crumbs that fall from God's table. Uh, that's that's some great faith. And that's something that can be an example for us too. Uh, how often we, we might think, well, I... I'm not getting what I what I need and what I want, and God isn't providing for me the way he should be instead of seeing the scraps that fall uh, as being such extreme blessings in themselves. Uh, that's, that's a powerful testimony to this faith. Uh, and as we grow in faith, as we continue to come to this word, and as we are journeying here, it's, it's really interesting that we see this woman following Jesus as he moves along. It is a journey, just like in Lent, we're on this journey uh, headed towards the empty tomb of Easter. Um, she's following him along, uh, and it, it doesn't say, you know, how much she might have heard from him necessarily, but it's certainly because of his word that she had faith in him. That's undeniable. Uh, and so as we follow Christ, we listen to his word, and because of the word that we hear, we have faith. And because of that faith, we can cry out to him and beg him to keep his promises, the same promises that we hear in that word that he proclaims. So, uh, yes, the, the lesson is essentially to continue to persist in, uh, in crying to God and begging him to keep his promises because he certainly does do that. I want to move now to the Old Testament lesson from the Old Testament lectionary and uh, what will be uh, the sermon text for this day as well, uh, and this comes from Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 16. The entire Israelite community set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin as the Lord had commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why are you quarreling with me? Why are you testing the Lord? But the people were thirsty for water there, so they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you ever bring us up out of Egypt to let us, our children, and our livestock die of thirst? Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go in front of the people and take the elders of Israel with you. Also take in your hand the staff which you, with which you struck the Nile and go. Watch me. I will stand there in front of you on the rock in Horeb. You are to strike the rock. Water will come out of it, and the people will drink. Moses did that in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then the Amalekites came and fought against the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go out and fight against the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop and God's staff will be in my hand. So Joshua did just as Moses told him. While Joshua was fighting against the Amalekites, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the hilltop. Whenever Moses held up his hand, the Israelites would start winning. But whenever he lowered his hand, the Amalekites would start winning. When Moses' arms became tired, they took a stone and placed it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. In this way, his hands were steady until sunset. So Joshua defeated the Amalekite army with the sword. The Lord then said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as a memorial, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely erase the memory of the Amalekites from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner, because he had said, 
since a hand was raised against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war with the Amalekites from generation to generation. All right, we've got two miracles here in this uh, Exodus accounts, two miracles from uh, Israel's time in the wilderness. The first one we mentioned earlier, the water from the rock. Moses struck the rock in order to bring water about, and he brought that out because the people were complaining. It says quarreling. They were fighting with Moses, saying Moses wasn't doing his job, saying Moses was calling, causing all sorts of uh, damage and uh, unrest and, and what have you by having led the people out of Egypt. Why couldn't things just be the way they'd always been? Moses is causing them discomfort by bringing them out somewhere new. Uh, they failed to see the, the promise. They failed to see the, the gifts that are being given to them. Uh, instead, they're being a little entitled and complaining. That's the way Israel always did this. Uh, they complained and, and argued. Um, but in that, God still provides for them. And he says, watch me. I will stand there in front of you on the rock in Horeb. You are to strike the rock. Water will come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses does all that. There's this little detail that God would stand on the rock. That, I think, gets missed sometimes. Um, but it's important to remember. Remember in 1 Corinthians 10, St. Paul mentioned uh, explicitly that that rock is Christ. And God standing on that same rock doesn't just show, hey, this is the rock that you're supposed to strike, but it's, it's demonstrating that this is God himself and he is pouring himself out for the people. Uh, just as Jesus himself poured out his lifeblood for the salvation of the world. He poured that out for us, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we're just a bunch of com entitled complainers. Uh, he gives it to us anyway. And then we get this battle, um, this, this battle with the Amalekites where uh, the victory happens for, uh, through Joshua because Moses had his hands held up. Um, you've got um, Aaron and Hur who are helping Moses by by holding up uh, his hands. That uh, that very specifically uh, is depicted in a in a hymn, in our hymnary. Um, hymn number 191, Hark the Voice of Jesus Crying. Hark the voice of Jesus crying, who will go and work today? Uh, and it goes on like that. Uh, but then in verse 3, uh, it says, If you cannot be a watchman standing high on Zion's wall, Pointing out the path to heaven, offering life and peace to all. With your prayers and with your off offerings, you can do what God demands. You can be like faithful Aaron, holding up the prophet's hands. I think it would be uh, negligent of me not to include this hymn somewhere in the service, because... I know there are people who are going to be thinking of this hymn uh, and the words of this hymn with that miracle uh, that is explicitly mentioned in, in verse 3 of the hymn here. Um, and I think it suits the, the theme of the day, too, uh, with that idea that um, there, there's, there's Jesus. Uh, and, you know, the, the specific mention is about mission work and what we can do for the church and in helping to spread the gospel message. Uh, but more than that, too, it's it's pointing out that, you know, we're not just left alone out here. We're not just left with nothing to do. Uh, it, when we hear that word, we can continue to go back to it, and we can share that message with others as well, uh, and and 
Well, the prayers and the offerings are mentioned there too. When we pray to God, we are praying not just for ourselves, but for for others. We can offer those prayers, and that is itself a, a service of the church, uh, a service in, in mission work. Um, so we it, it emphasizes the, the, the various gifts in the congregation, the, the various gifts of, of different Christians, that not all are preachers, not all are teachers, um, but... Uh, all are called to share the gospel. All are called to remind people and God of his promises. This Reminiscera Sunday, we're reminding God uh, of what he has promised to us, but we're also sharing what God has promised uh, with others. Um, so 191, um, I think that would be a, a pretty good opening hymn. Um, it could serve as a closing hymn as well, um, but... Uh, Actually, you know what? Yeah, we're going to do it as a closing hymn because it uh, it will conclude everything there uh, with um, with that idea of, well, now we've heard the word. Let's let's take that, take that along and, and <laughs> move forward with it. Um, so there uh, for for the closing hymn that leaves us with the, the need for an opening hymn. Uh, and let's let's see here. There's there are a couple ideas that that we can go with for an opening hymn. And um, one that's really occurring to me is an invocation hymn by Martin Luther, hymn number 33, We Now Implore the Holy Ghost. Um, it, uh, it, the, the last verse is the one that's really getting me. All of them really fit, but the, the last ver verse 4 of hymn 33 goes, Thou highest comfort in every need, Grant that neither shame nor death we heed that in then our courage may never fail us when the foe shall accuse and assail us lord have mercy uh, asking god for that comfort we're specifically petitioning the holy spirit here uh, in this hymn as as many invocation hymns do um, but asking for that strength that then we will see, uh, we pray for again in the closing prayer of the service. I think that creates a, a nice um, concluding bookend to this. Um, so that's uh, the, the hymns for the day. Uh, last thing uh, that I have to choose here is the psalm. Let me just check here and see if the psalm, Psalm 25 is appointed for the day. I should have uh, realized that. Um, and I think that one is available. Uh, let me just double check. I think that one is printed in the hymnary. It's a long one, if I remember. Yes, it is a, a 22 verse hymn, um, starting on page 177, going to page 178. Uh, we'll um, we'll reduce that one down. I think uh, we'll decrease uh, how many verses we actually. Yeah, we'll sing verses one through eight. Uh, we have this remembering coming through in verses. Uh, six and seven and then verse eight gives kind of an answer to according to your mercy remember me for your goodness sake O lord that's how verse seven ends then verse eight good and upright is the lord therefore he teaches sinners in the way uh, so yeah psalm 25 verses one through eight uh, and that all is on page 177 uh, so that makes it a, a little easier uh, for for singing um, so that'll be uh very good, good psalm for, for this Sunday. Um, 
as we're looking at this, I'm very excited to, to look especially at that Old Testament lesson. Uh, I want to go back and look at those miracles again. Uh, the miracle of the water from the rock. Uh, we should be thinking sacramentally there. Uh, St. Paul points that out in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, where he interprets this, this text, really. Uh, that uh, in that water to drink, he gives us uh, the, the spiritual drink that is Christ's blood. Uh, Christ's blood comes to us in the, the sacrament of the altar in, in the wine. And that's very important to understand, uh, that uh, Jesus shed his blood, he gave himself, so that we would be able to drink that same blood. Notice how Israel complains before receiving this. They're, they're very clearly sinners, but God gives them his grace even while they're still sinners. I've heard people, uh, I've had people on occasion uh, not attend the Lord's Supper on a Sunday when it was offered. They stay in their, in their seats, and I've, I've taken note of that. Uh, at least every time I've, I've, I've tried to. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's probably been someone who slipped through the cracks, but I've tried to take note of those who don't come to the sacrament on a Sunday uh, once in a while when it's offered. And I've asked people why, why they haven't done that. And the, the one answer that really um, makes me sad is that they feel as though they don't deserve it. Um, on a particular Sunday, uh, when they're really honest with me, they, they've said, well, I don't feel as though I deserve it. And these people of Israel, did they deserve this water from the rock? No, they most certainly did not. But God was remembering his mercy for them. God was remembering his promises, remembering the grace that he told their ancestors that he would give to them. That's why they got it, not because they deserved it, but because God said he would give it to them. And it's the same thing with the sacrament of the altar as well. Do we deserve to drink the blood of God? No. No, absolutely we do not. That's too holy for us. But God promises in that sacrament to give us the forgiveness of our sins. So do we deserve it? No. But do we need it? Yes. Uh, and when God gives it to us, we receive it for the forgiveness of our sins when we eat and drink worthily. Um, and by worthily, that just means that we believe what's true about it uh, and, and come in, in honesty to the sacrament. When we receive that sacrament worthily, we receive the forgiveness of our sins. We receive exactly what we need. And so if you feel like you don't deserve it, that's when you need it the most. Uh, and it, it's connected, too, with this, uh, this battle with the Amalekites. Um, we can see this uh, Moses holding up his, his hands. Uh, the, the wrong way to understand that would be it's, it's a magic trick. That uh, as he holds up his hands, that causes the magic of, of the victory to come to them. But what it, in fact, should be a reminder of is Moses is holding up his hands as a reminder to God of his promises again. Uh, and, and once again, we should see Christ in here. As Moses is holding up his hands, uh, holding out his staff, uh, we ought to see Christ with his hands outstretched, with a, a piece of wood held between them as well, the, as he died on the cross. Um, it's not too much of a stretch to think uh, in those terms. Moses, in holding up his staff, the same staff that he used to strike the Nile, the same staff that he used... Uh, to, to bring water from the rock, the same staff that he used to cause the Red Sea to part. It's, it, it is associated intimately with the promises of God. So as he's holding this staff up, it's a reminder to God 
that he has promised to save these people. He has promised their salvation. And it also then serves at the same time as a reminder to the people that God has promised this. So when they see Moses' hands held up, it's assurance to them that victory is theirs. And as uh, Aaron and Hur are, are helping to hold Moses' arms up, uh, that, that just shows that this, this prayer is, is not just for one person to do. Uh, this reminding is not just for one person to do, but the whole church is involved in building one another up and holding one another up. And we can also see there, too, um, another picture of Christ further, just to, to solidify that even further, that when Christ was on the cross, he had someone on his right and on his left, two thieves, um, two, two criminals, one on each, each side. Um, just again, to, to solidify that picture. So yeah, the point here is to see Christ in all of this, see the mercy that he comes, the mercy that God promised to give in Christ. And we can be absolutely confident when we ask God to give that to us, when we ask God to remember that he has promised that. And that's what all of our prayers amount to, just asking God to remember his promises. You can find uh, this show on tapsterradio.org slash Lord's House. Give us some, some feedback, ask questions, give some comments, uh, other thoughts that occur to you as well. We'd love to hear those. Uh, you can uh, find my church, Our Saviors Lutheran Church. Uh, our website is OurSaviorsELS.com. Uh, I'm available on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Uh, you can follow me there and ask me questions as well. But until we meet again, peace be within you. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From our fancy to yours. yours.